0: Warning, this episode includes topics of possession, extreme violence, and death that some people might find uncomfortable. Listener discretion is advised, especially for young children. They're not in there for longer. Half of them get scared. So in the 15 minutes that they're in there, four police officers get exposed to mold carbon monoxide so much that they have to leave.
1: I mean, yeah, these are all hallucinogens. They work the exact same as hallucinogenic drugs, which work after, like, five to ten minutes.
0: Some of the most famous horror movies in cinematic history are actually based on true stories. I, Yeshu Upasani, and me,
1: Arvind Ragunathan, will shed light on the true stories that inspired these terrifying movies. And we'll be investigating the question on why humans are so interested in the paranormal, and whether their imaginations are able to conjure what's not even there.
0: There's a lot to find this season. After all, there's always more to uncover behind the story. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Story, I'm one of your hosts, Yashu Upasani, a paranormal believer, especially when it comes to things demonic, and I'm ready to tell you everything regarding the supernatural.
1: And I'm Arv Nurgunathan, your other host, who doesn't believe in anything paranormal. I'll show you how logic and science can prove things like ghosts and demons are just people making up a story.
0: Thank you so much for coming back to another episode, but if this is the first episode of ours that you're hearing, Welcome, this is the podcast where we tell the true stories that inspire famous horror movies. I am so, so very excited for this episode, because this is the one where I take it all. Armin, it's time for you to officially go down.
1: We'll see about that. We're uncovering a case that made history in not only Spain, but everywhere around the world. Today, we're going to be talking about the true story behind the movie, Veronica. It was released on August 25th, 2017, and made $6.3 million dollars. It stars actors like Sandra Escasina, Ivan Chavarro, and Bruna Gonzalez, as well as more.
0: Now, you guys know how high my horror movie standards are. So when I say that this is a great movie, I mean it's possibly one of the greatest horror movies that I've seen. It follows the story of Veronica, a girl who lets demonic spirits into her life after playing with a Ouija board. And it actually is pretty accurate to the real story.
1: Make sure you leave us a message on our Anchor.fm website with anything you would like us to know. And follow us on whatever podcast platform you're using right now to listen.
0: And follow us at Behind the Story on Instagram with a period between the I and N, and on Twitter with an underscore between the I and N. We would also like you to know that this season we are donating all funds that we make from our episodes to the AAPI, Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders, to fight against anti-Asian hate crimes because no one deserves to live in fear just based on their race. And now, let's get on with the episode. Now, this case is also known as the Vallecas case, because that's the region that this whole thing happened in. And the case is one that is quite terrifying, especially since it's based on a police report that, at the time, was the only police report that had the paranormal documented. It all starts in March of 1990, when 18-year-old Estefania Gutierrez-Lazaro went to school, just like any other kid in the world. She was an average school student, doing typical teenage things, and just living a very normal life. Now, I'm going to be butchering some names, and I apologize for that, but she lived with her mother, Concepcion Gutierrez, her father, Maximo Gutierrez, her younger sister, Marianella, and her younger brother and sister, whose names I don't know. She lived in an apartment at Calle Gerardo Nunez, number 8, in Vallecas, a neighborhood in Madrid. In the middle of the school day, she and a group of her friends decided to use a Ouija board that one of her friends had snuck into school. Allegedly, Estefania's sister, Marianella, was a part of this group, but she didn't want to participate in the game. Instead, Maria Nella guarded the door to make sure that no teacher walked in when the group was messing with the board. As they tried to contact a the spirit, they got caught by a teacher who snatched the board away from them, which caused the glass using to shatter. Normally, it used something called a planchette, which is a triangular glass mechanism in Ouija board sessions. But these girls were not professionals, and they were just messing around. According to everyone in the room, including the teacher, smoke began to rise after the glass broke, and Estefania accidentally inhaled it. The people around the girl said that she started changing immediately after the incident. They started off small, but then started to escalate very quickly. She developed bad sleeping problems, beginning to struggle with insomnia, and whenever she was able to sleep, she had nightmares of shadow creatures calling to her. However, she didn't need to be asleep to see the shadow creatures. Her family said that Estefania told them that she could see them following her in corners of the room, down the hall, and they would whisper things to her and ask her to come with them. She began to fall into trances that usually lasted 15 to 20 minutes, according to her mother. When she would go into these trances, Estefania would say that she was in a corridor that was filled with fog. The voices would talk to her in these trances as well. Her father and mother took her to several hospitals many times, but got no answers. She saw tons of specialists at four different medical centers, and every time the doctors checked her, they found that wrong. Estefania's symptoms started getting worse each day. Objects in the apartment would move around, lights would turn themselves on and off, and unforeseen forces would become violent towards Estefania and the entire family. Her younger siblings would wake up with their arms being slammed into walls, the family dog was thrown across the room, and her sister was shoved on one occasion. Maria Maria Nella also claimed to wake up one night to see Estefania levitating slightly above their room since the two shared a room together. Soon, Estefania began to attack her siblings. She would become irritable and aggressive, and she would bark at her brother. On one occasion, she allegedly attacked one of her sisters and injured her so badly that she ended up on the floor, foaming at the mouth. Estefania was clearly not the only one experiencing all the weird things that were happening. Her parents and siblings also saw things moving around on their own, doors slamming and locking, and they even saw shadow creatures. One time, Estefania went to do the chores in the bathroom, which was a room that would later be known as the epicenter of all the paranormal activity, and a shadow appeared, as well as the iron turning on by itself. The girl screamed, and when her mom came into the room to see what was wrong, the door locked itself behind them. Maximo had to come to get them out, which resulted in him literally about to kick down the door before it just opened with ease. Even the neighbors who came to the apartment were subject to the hauntings. Finally, Estefania started having seizures, They started early on and grew worse as time passed. They were leading up, they were worse as they led up to the days that she died. On one night, one seizure was so bad that it caused her to fall into a coma and in late summer of 1991, Estefania died. The doctors couldn't find any explanation as to why she died. So they wrote on her medical records that her death was, quote, sudden and suspicious, end quote. And unlike other cases of demonic possession, the hauntings didn't stop after Estefania died. Whatever spirits were allowed, were let out from the Ouija board were here to stay things got worse after the girl's death Concepcion reported hearing Estefania screaming from everywhere in the apartment at all hours of the day and there was constant banging on the walls objects continued to move around the apartment on their own and appliances turned on and off on their own as well Concepcion also heard glass breaking and the menacing laugh of an old man doors also kept slamming and opening on their own Estefania's siblings continued to get woken up or hurt by the malevolent spirits in their home. Two years after Estefania's death, a photo of her, which was in the living room, was knocked over and and spontaneously caught on fire. Only the section of the photo that had her face was burned, and the rest, including the frame, was untouched. You can actually even find a picture of this frame online. Concepcion and Maximo had had enough, and they started searching for paranormal investigators and professionals. Tons of people went to the apartment, but none of them were able to help. Ironically, it seemed that the visits made the hauntings worse. The activity continued, but on November 19, 1992, things turned for the absolute worst. Concepcion called the police operator at around 2 a.m., screaming, quote, please come quick, he is in here, end quote. It's unclear who she was talking about, but my guess is that it was one of the many spirits, possibly one of the stronger ones that was able to take form in an apparition. When the operator got her to calm down enough to explain what was happening, the operator was taken aback by everything she was saying. They put her line through to the police, and they asked to speak to her husband to clarify that she wasn't drunk or lying. When Maximo got the phone, he gave the same story in a panicked tone, and the police asked to speak to one of the children. The kids said the same thing as their parents, and the police were dispatched to the house. When the officers got there, they were met by the whole family who would rather stand in the cold rain than go back in the house. The police walked with the family back to the house where Maximo explained all of the paranormal things that had happened, which included crosses on the wall being turned upside down and scratch marks appearing on the walls. The police decided to check the house out. Excepcion told the officers that things were always worse when the lights were off, and investigator Jose Pedro Negri decided to investigate in the dark. Immediately, they started hearing things around the apartment. They turned the lights back on to see that nobody in the family had moved an inch. The police went to the master bedroom when they heard a loud bang coming from the balcony, but when they went to check it out, they saw nothing. Two officers were discussing what to do when one of them yelled at the other one to duck just in time before a heavy cupboard door slammed open to where his head was. No one was in the room except for the two officers. Four of the officers thought that it was all getting too much and went to wait outside. Negri and the last officer continued to search for the cause of the silence, but found nothing. There was more banging and commotion coming from Estefania's room. When they went in, they found that a cross had been ripped off the wall and also that the Jesus figurine had been ripped off of the cross itself. There was a poster under where the cross had been and it now had three claw marks. Negri and the officer found themselves surrounded by banging with no reason as to where it came from. Ksepsion told the officers that the bathroom always seemed to be the worst place. When they went to check it out, they admitted feeling a severe temperature drop and quiet voices echoing around them. Having seen and heard enough, Negri called the police operator back and explained what had happened. He then filed an official report, which stated that he had no explanation as to what was happening in the Gutierrez home, but that something was definitely at play, making it the first and only time in Spain's history that a police officer wrote about the paranormal in an official report. The Gutierrez family stayed in the house for a little longer, and the events still didn't go away. Eventually, the family moved away, and according to them, the paranormal activity did not follow. Now, I wanted to keep this information towards the end of the story, because not only did this demonic possession or presence affect Estefania, but it affected the whole family. Because I definitely believe that there was something happening that was at the work of demons. For Estefania, she showed all the signs of demonic possession, which are aversion to the sacred, when someone cannot look at the cross or holy images. This was seen by the fact that all the crosses in the house were either ripped from the walls or were upside down. The second one is knowledge of hidden things, when a person could tell you things about yourself or someone else that they couldn't have possibly known. This is the only one that I wasn't able to find an example of, especially since Estefania was so tormented that she often didn't talk at all. The next one is possessing superhuman-like strength. We can see this by the fact that Estefania was able to brutally hurt her siblings in a way that left them both scared and also severely injured. Finally, the last one is epileptic-like seizures. Of course, it was a seizure that caused her tragic death, and seizures weren't something that she ever struggled with before in her life, so it was weird that she started to get them. I would also like to cover what is known as the four degrees of possession. Like I said, this wasn't just a demonic spirit that preyed on Estefania and then went away. This lingered in the house and, well, I believe also attached itself to the other members of the family. Father Gabriel Amorth, a former chief exorcist of Rome who passed away on September 16th, 2018, wrote a book called An Exorcist Tells His Story. He explained the stages of demonic activity. One, infestation. This is when the furniture moves, sounds are heard, and the doors move. These were the first signs of activity in the Gutierrez house, and they never went away. Two is oppression. This is when the physical attacks come into play. The lack of sleep, nightmares, depression, and anxiety, and relationship troubles start to surface. These all seem to happen at rapid speed in the family, From the shadow-infested nightmares and when Estefania harmed her siblings. Three is obsession. This is when the afflicted person has a hard time functioning and is plagued with the thoughts of demons, which we see is when Estefania only speaks about the shadows and demons that she sees. And finally, number four, possession. Now, possession is not when a demon or demons enter a person's body, taking over their soul. Instead, possession is when a person is so physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually broken that they are not able to control themselves anymore. We can see this happening with the coma that Estefanía fell into that eventually led to her death. Not only was Estefanía, a girl with a bright future ahead of her, tragically brought to her death by demonic possession, but her family also suffered from the demonic possession of the house itself. These malevolent spirits didn't only want death, they wanted to torture, and that's exactly what they ended up doing. Let this be more of a lesson moment. It's never right to mess around with the Ouija board without proper guidance, and you should never do it if you don't know what it could bring. And now, before we go to Arvin's part, let's take a quick break and hear about our sponsor.
1: All right, so my theory for the true story behind Veronica is the work of hallucinogens and mental issues. So first, carbon monoxide. Consistent low-level carbon monoxide exposure sometimes leads to seizures. This would also explain her strange and erratic behavior leading up to her death, giving her normal days and her crazy days. It was reported that two of the responding officers felt nauseated and and had to leave the apartment. This would also correlate exposure to the monoxide. When she went to the doctor and, couldn't, and they couldn't find anything wrong with her, most likely because the physical traits had already dissipated by the time she was being checked up on. To delve deeper into this theory, symptoms of carbon monoxide poisoning include nausea, dizziness, seizures, uh, muscle weakness, visual disturbances, also known as hallucinations, and impairment of cerebral functions, to name a few. This paired with religious paranoia would certainly have resulted in her situation, Carbon monoxide poisoning is only definitively lethal above 0.08% in the air, meaning she could have easily lived for that extended period of time with an exposure low enough to not result in immediate death, but high enough to affect her health. It can also continue to affect someone for a few hours after they have left that environment, so she could have had symptoms for a few hours after she had left her house. Carbon monoxide poisoning also affects people differently depending on their body chemistry, some being more susceptible than others, um, others to lower doses, which could explain why why she was dealing with these symptoms and the rest of her family wasn't until after her death. Keeping in mind that this was 1992 in Spain, would health professionals have detected it or even think to test for carbon monoxide poisoning? It's extremely commonly mistaken for other health issues such as the flu and overlooked. Carbon monoxide leaves the body for a few hours after the poison is re- after the person is removed from the environment no matter the dose. She probably died from other health-related effects of the carbon monoxide poisoning rather than the quick organ failure of carbon monoxide itself. For example, increased damage to organs over a long period of time or or worsen pre-existing medical conditions that may have gone unnoticed earlier. So now for the second theory. Um, It's family hysteria. Family hysteria is when multiple or all members of a family face hysteria in the exact same way. The study, quote, family hysteria in a Kenyan setting, end quote, by Maluku et al., sorry on the pronunciation, details how this can occur. Specifically for Estefania, she could have been prone to paranoia, and the Uija incident triggered an episode. Next, the toxic mold theory. Toxic mold can create hallucinations and more. Even in the movie, the downstairs neighbor speaks of a black spot on her ceiling. As well, each mattress had what appeared as mold on it. It explains all the officers feeling ill after leaving the apartment and more symptoms, just like before. An article by Mo in 2017 describes how toxic mold can impact mental health. Many people who have been exposed to toxic mold complain of behavioral and neurological problems with like what has been called mold rage, psychosis, aggressive and erratic behavior, and depression. Estefani experienced these symptoms as Yeshi described earlier in her part. To expand on this theory... The reason why mold causes people to act abnormally is because some molds produce mycotoxins, which can be very neurotoxic. What this means is that the toxins produced by some molds are neurotoxins that are poisonous or destructive to brain and nerve tissue, which causes a condition known as neurotoxicity. The term neurotoxicity refers to damage to the brain or or peripheral nervous systems caused by exposure to man-made poison, or in this case, a mold poison. For example, in a 2003 study by the Environmental Health Center Dallas titled quote, effects of toxic exposure to molds and mycotoxins in building-related illnesses, end quote. A hundred participants were examined in an effort to uncover how toxic mold exposure can affect the nervous system and brain. What they found is that after the mold exposure, nervous system challenges were observed in 100% of the patients tested. Other studies have found that human exposure to molds, mycotoxins, and water-damaged buildings can cause neurologic and neuropsychiatric signs and symptoms. Many of these clinical features can partly mimic or be similar to classic neurological disorders, including pain syndromes, movement disorders, delirium, dementia, and disorders of balance and coordination. Overall, any one of these three theories or combination of multiple could be responsible responsible for what happened to Estefania. I read them off in order of how much I personally believe them, but if one of them seems more true to you, there's a good chance it could be. After all, the only thing we know for sure is that nothing paranormal was happening there. And that there were all sorts of environmental and mental harms that could have affected Estefania.
0: And now, the moment we've all been waiting for. Drum roll. <laughs> the moment when I demolish Arvind. Okay. You guys know demonic possession cases are my thing. I was I was researching for this episode and the whole time I'm texting Arvin, I'm like, you're gonna lose. you're gonna lose so bad. you don't know how many facts I have. okay. <clears throat> let us begin. to start with the carbon monoxide. When paranormal investigations happen and this all started actually in the 1980s, I believe if not the late 1980s, they have started text testing. For, car- for carbon monoc- ma- ah, for carbon monoxide one of the things that the Warrens I know especially tested for was carbon monoxide because I think in the uh, New England area that they lived in it was a big thing. So when they did these investigators they probably also checked for carbon monoxide so they would they would have known Arvin had there been any carbon monoxide or like enough to cause any problems.
1: Yesterday, I'm gonna be honest with you, that was building up to be a good question, but the second you mentioned the Warrens, you kind of screwed yourself over.
0: Well, I- wow, I'm just saying, because they <laughs> are a paranormal investigative team that we've talked about, and I think you mean a
1: fraudulent paranormal investigative team.
0: No, personally, I don't know very many paranormal investigative teams. If somebody wants to reach out, I'd love to go on a ghost town with you, but in general- if you research about what it it takes to investigate a seemingly paranormal site one of the things is carbon monoxide testing so arvin what do you have to say about that
1: okay well um first off there is the chance that by the time those paranormal investigators got there the actual source of the carbon monoxide had gone away so it wasn't still around because they didn't get there immediately like local police and stuff is what happened first and as we as i said uh some of those police officers did feel nauseated, showing that there was mm-hmm. maybe something wrong with the environment that they were in.
0: Okay, all right, all right. And um, I think I think you were scrambling there a little bit, so will save you. We'll move to the next point. Hello. Hey, that was weird. I don't know what was happening. Yeah, and then know, when it's, you it's, left... Uh,
1: it's because my sister's AirPods connected to
0: my oh, phone, okay. so
1: they took it off mine, and then I had to connect back.
0: Because when you left, I just heard the echo of my own voice. And I was like, "This is terrifying." Okay, we're gonna pretend like this never happened.
1: Yeah, because okay, so I think I, yeah. I think she connected, and then all of a sudden, she like she probably heard you, and then she disconnected. So,
0: probably. like, what the freak is this kid talking about with carbon monoxide? Anyway, <laughs> okay, actually, we're gonna go back to carbon monoxide. We're gonna go back because there was something I wanted to bring up and I really <laughs> forgot. Um, Arvind, when you were like nineteen ninety two, Spain, how would they know? Okay. In 1993, in Madrid, I don't know if this was the same area, but I know it was in Madrid, they investigated the death of a man that was caused by carbon monoxide. In 1993, they were like, yeah, this man died because of too much carbon monoxide. They knew about it. They would have tested it. They would have known.
1: First off, like you just said, 1993. um, A year? A year? (laughs) Okay, that's like saying... Hmm, the year before they developed X-ray, why didn't they use X-ray?
0: I don't know yet, please. The year before they developed the X-ray, they were probably testing the X-ray. So that means that they couldn't use their, like, prototypes to test other things. So they couldn't use their carbon monoxide prototypes to test this. Yes, that's not... Okay. That's a- baseline, okay, fine, they fine. did not
1: test for it, which is what we're what we're saying.
0: No, they did test for it. Paranormal investigators tested for it. If the the police people might have tested for That's it, I'm saying need- I'm saying
1: the police people did not. The paranormal investigators might have, but they came way too late.
0: So are we compromising? <laughs>
1: compromising, but my but I'm still saying the baseline that the by the time uh, by the time Estefanie was already dead, there there still could have been a uh, carbon monoxide poisoning.
0: But I, if it was carbon monoxide poisoning, then it would have affected everybody in the family as much as it affected her. Why did only she get seizures?
1: Right, so that's the body chemistry thing. Because this is, uh, it has to be, you know, it's below the amount that'll kill you, right? But they might have mm-hmm. been just enough to give her certain symptoms. So because of her body chemistry, she could have been more likely to get it and uh, get worse symptoms than the rest of her family. Whereas for them, their body chemistry allowed that the current level of carbon mon- uh, carbon monoxide was not enough to seriously affect them.
0: I think to go on body chemistry, right? That's thinking that their whole, you know, genetics is relatively messed up. But I'm thinking, right, you get your genetics from parents. So even if she had something that was different, her mom or her dad should have too. And also, if it was something that was done, you know, by by the room layout or something like that, she shared a room with one of her sisters. So her sisters would have been equally affected. But I'm going to move on to make sure we Wait, get no, to Wait, no, 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 no. Okay, fine, 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 fine. <laughs> you can't uh, give your point and move on. okay. <laughs>
1: First off, body chemistry isn't fully genetics. And even if it was, mutations can occur. You know, they're pretty common. So at least one of your genes will be mutated. So you may not be exactly like both of your parents. So, um, but also it's not just her uh, genetics. Like maybe a precondition weakened, um, you know, some certain part of, a, of one organ, which could have made her more susceptible to a certain part of carbon monoxide. Like it's all up to chance. You can't uh, base it purely off genetics.
0: Right, but then it's all up to chance, because as far as we know, she was totally healthy. Like, she had literally nothing. She was. She didn't even have, like, asthma. She was, like... Yes, yes. She, you can't
1: call someone who was convulsing and having seizures totally healthy.
0: Right! Because she was convolting and having seizures because she was possessed by a demon! But possession is- demons don't exist! Demons exist! That's why I'm here!
1: Okay, okay, we're going way too (laughs) superficial. Okay, we're moving on to the
0: mold, the mold people. (laughs) Um, Okay, your toxic mold theory is quite interesting, I give you that. Because there is not a lot about toxic mold in Spain. That, That wasn't a thing that was talked a lot, actually, Specifically, I think anytime I looked into the whole toxic mold thing, it was it mostly was in America, specifically North Northeast, New England area, that type of place. Um, you know, I I don't see a lot of that in Spain to begin with, and then also with like it's it's toxic mold, yeah, okay, but then that also I'm pretty sure they like kept their apartments clean and kept everything clean, and I just feel like it's not. There is not a lot about toxic mold in Spain.
1: Okay, well, um, first off, I just want to say just by saying that you're kind of admitting that they couldn't have detected for it. So I'll just I'll keep that in my pocket for now and then go to the <gasps> oh go to the fact God. that uh, you're saying there was no toxic mold. But like, even in the movie, the their downstairs neighbor talked about a black spot on her ceiling. And there is evidence that each of their mattresses did have mold on them. Well, house. it's
0: not it's not mold on the backs of their mattresses. You should watch the movie, guys. But it's it's not a spoiler, don't worry. But on the backs of their mattresses, it's not mold. It's almost like burnt flesh because what basically their their silhouette is burned into this mattress. It's not mold. And in terms of the the ceiling, it's it's kind of just like the whole thing i think it was just the whole movie thing like oh my gosh ghosts demons are always in black mist and so we must create some kind of you know correlation to that i don't think i don't think there's anything with the whole mold thing
1: so about the burning silhouettes on the thing that's just them hallucinating because of the mold yes me uh
0: but you just used it for your mold example.
1: No, yeah, I'm saying there was something there, but the fact that they were perceiving it as like burned flesh of their silhouettes is because of the mold. It was mold no, there. because it was and okay. The silhouettes
0: isn't even like a part of the real story. That's a part of the movie. But the mattress thing didn't happen in real life, as far as every research that I've done. But the whole point of the movie was the mattress that they were burned into it. I'm not going to get into that because that's in the movie. But I don't think mode was regional to Spain, therefore i don't think you are right i think your family hysteria thing is kind of far-fetched how so okay well thank you for asking um <laughs> i think your family hysteria thing right it's like her, let's okay if you are a teenage kid and you're doing something you know you shouldn't be doing in this case playing with a ouija board when you go home The first thing, you're not going to go to your parents and be like, guess what I did today? I got in trouble because I played with a Ouija board. So I don't think your parents would have even known about this Ouija board to begin with for a while, right? And her symptoms started starting pretty quick. So I'm guessing what happened was she starts having all these symptoms. Maybe a couple weeks go by and she's freaking out her siblings. And then her sister, especially because she was possibly in that room, was like, okay, we got to tell the parents. And then she tells the parents.
1: Okay, wait. I probably should have clarified this, but like, they don't all get their um their triggers and their set offs from the exact same, uh, from the same thing. Right. I read through the article a bit of their study, and it's basically when one person in the family gets set off because of a certain incident. Mm-hmm. Seeing their symptoms and their effects, the rest of the family then gets set off in the same way, right, which also kind of ties to like what we talk about in the season of like creating the paranormal based uh-huh. on what you think you see the paranormal so you know if they thought they saw the paranormal and heard having all of these uh, having what is this these seizures and whatever mm-hmm. her all of her symptoms it would have set them off as well
0: right but here's the thing though the first things that start you know in that whole four degrees of possession is infestation and that's not something that only one person sees everybody saw the doors move everybody saw the blender turn on without anybody turning it on you know that's not just something that everybody collectively imagined it was something that happened it turned on the doors closed
1: but the thing is they you know those were reported after it happened so after their hysteria gets set off their memories are going to be warp to like oh this well, slightly weird thing happened
0: maybe that was in- a
1: ghost and then it's going to form in their mind as. Oh, that was a hundred percent a ghost. Blow it out of proportion, you know, because that's what hysteria does to your memories, to your mind. No, but
0: I don't, I don't think that because when Estefania gets okay, so she does the whole Ouija board thing. She goes home. I'm this started so quickly. I'm thinking three days later, a door closes on its own when everybody's sitting in the living room. That in that in your case, and they all started their hysteria at the same time, which we just said was not even a thing for them all to you know believe that see this door close.
1: No, but again, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, let's say, okay, the door closed. They're all like, okay, what, what the hell was that? They're all thinking,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I don't know. In reality, what happened is, you know, maybe the, you know, something about the wind or the air pressure in the room shifted the door a little bit and they all, no, no one thought anything of it. Then, right. like, a week or two later, slowly by surely, at one at a time, or how it may be all at the same time, whatever, they all get hit to uh, hit with this hysteria. So now they're thinking back, uh, because now they've been set off, and they're thinking everything is paranormal. So thinking back to this door that's slightly cracked, and everyone was like, I don't know what that was. And they're thinking, they start blowing it out of proportion, like the, the door sw- swung wide open, or it shut closed with a, you know, with a big bang. And that completely warps their memory. The story completely warps what they thought happened.
0: But I just don't believe that because right, when all of these little things start happening, it's weird, right? To go into the kitchen and see the lights turn on and then they turn off midway while you're making eggs or something, right? That's weird to begin with. But then everything I you know, I can't stress enough. Like, yes, she dies a year later, but in this year, everything picks up so quickly. When Estefania starts having all of these sleeping problems and she she's and she sees these shadow people, you know, she talks to her parents about it, and then she and then her parents are like, Okay, kid. This is getting kind of weird, and then meanwhile, while all this is happening, the appliances are still turning on, doors are still being closed. It's just that like none of this ever stops. So I'm thinking for this just to be like a hysteria thing, where they're automat, where they're implying that that iron turning on in the bathroom, or that figure that they saw in the bathroom was just hysteria and not a ghost seems just too far.
1: And that's why I was saying, like, it may not just be one theory. The the hysteria one works perfectly with one of the other two theories, where they start having these hallucinations, and then that sets off their hysteria based on it, and they kind of, like, bounce off each other, just making everything worse and worse and worse.
0: Well, we've already kind of, (laughs) we've already established that the carbon monoxide and mold, (laughs) I don't believe at all. And I think I want to make sure that we also get to this in the whole tying back to our theme of the season. I think this is our one of our strongest episodes where they did not create this ghost. I get I get your whole thing, oh my gosh, everybody knows what happens with a Ouija board. I'm saying that right, oh my God, this is gonna come back to bite us one day. But I'm saying if me and Arvin do a Ouija board session, right? And then we go back and if maybe that night, you know, what if my plants falls over? I'm I will freak out. I will think, oh my God, we just actually summoned something. Oh no. And then maybe and then in the next couple of weeks, absolutely nothing will happen. But I get how that can happen to us. But to these girls who one just did it to mess around without knowing any of the consequences. And then she possibly inhales something and none of the other girls have any symptoms, just her, that's that's not like just you don't make that up. Because then, right, think about it. As as Arvin always loves to talk about a good story, how can somebody monetize from something? If you are that group of girls and you want to be in the biggest news in Spain at the time, you are all going to collectively get possessed. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're all going to try to figure out ways to show symptoms. That way, you have a great story. But they don't do that.
1: So about, like, the smoke flying up her nose and mouth, Honestly, that could have been literally so many things. That could have been some environmental factor that set her off. That could have been them, you know, just uh-huh. not seeing things properly. Like, one of the kids didn't see this properly. So the other kids all, you know, because they're all so scared of what just happened. They're like, oh, yeah, 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 that's what I saw, too. Honestly, this time, I definitely don't think there was anything to do with monetary or, like, the family had some advantage in right. lying here. The only ones I think that could have been lying is cough, cough the Warrens.
0: Oh, my Jesus. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, so, I mean, I don't really think any, like, the kids there had any incentive to, you know, get money on you or anything like this. Which right, is surprising, because none nonetheless, what happens what we've seen so far.
0: But that's the whole point. Like, these kids were literally just messing around. I don't even think they wanted to conjure something in a like, Like, they might have. They might have just wanted to talk to some spirit and be like, hey, what's the spirit world like? But, like, I think they honestly wanted to, A, get out of class, B, do something exciting to spice up their lives. And then some friend must have been like, I have a Ouija board at home. And they were all like, Yeah, let's do that. And in, in our math period, so we don't have to do algebra. You know, like I don't I don't think there's anything that they created to make to make a ghost and then to get that ghost in their head so much that they start seeing this. Also, I think there's so many physical things that happened that you can't have just been they can't have made up and especially ha ha ha. We have more witnesses than just the family. We have the neighbors. We have the police. We have the paranormal investigators. You know, we have more people than just the family.
1: Okay, so, okay, about the first point.
0: Um... Yeah, I said a lot of stuff. Yeah, you said a lot of stuff. Right? <laughs> I yeah. said a lot of stuff.
1: <laughs> okay, so down to the first point. Honestly, think about this. If you are someone who is expecting, okay, I'm about to conjure a ghost right here. I have 15 questions written down that I'm going to ask this ghost when I'm sure it's going to appear. You're the one who's going to be less surprised when it appears, right? Because you're so confident when it appears. However, if you're someone just messing around, like you were saying, just trying to skip class do nothing, and something weird happens or, you know, you, you're hit by a sudden shock or a sudden surprise, like a teacher just all of a sudden finding you, you know hiding and skipping class mm-hmm. then you're gonna be more surprised if you like see something you're gonna be more
0: shocked exactly which is why everybody was so shocked in her house okay now so now to happen. your second part
1: about how there's so many witnesses um uh-huh. about the people you listed off um paranormal investigators you know how you know my opinion I know them. I
0: know your feelings okay we'll get okay. past them neighbors
1: and police officers both of them went into the house both of them saw it because that's why all of these environmental factors these are things that were in their houses if, if if anything this actually proves what I'm talking about about how there were so many environmental factors leading all of these people to see these But things. these
0: environmental factors act so fast these police people are in this apartment for what 15 to 30 minutes tops they're not in there for longer. Half of them get scared. So in the fifteen minutes that they're in there, four police officers get exposed to mold slash carbon monoxide so much that they have to leave.
1: I mean, yeah, these are all hallucinogens. They work the exact same as hallucinogenic drugs, which work after like five to ten minutes.
0: Right, but then in that case, you know, it it wears off when they go back to their house, and then they they go back. And I'm I'm just thinking, right, in that sense. And then the two. Uh, officers, the investigator and the officer that still stay in the house, they're they're still there. They didn't get as affected I, by the other things. Or I guess they did actually, because they did all get like slightly nauseous and whatever, and they saw weird things. But then also, right, when these police officers are investigating, they hear the knocking, and they hear the cupboard door. The cupboard door opens! It opens!
1: I mean, yes, that's what I'm saying. It's a hallucination. These are all hallucinogenics.
0: But it couldn't be, because it, like, it's it, like, open and the guy had to be, like, duh Like, like it actually opened.
1: Okay, yes, she, who's the one who, found, who said that it opened?
0: The two officers, and I know you're gonna be like, people are lying, because you have no No, faith I'm saying in they were humanity.
1: hallucinating.
0: No! <laughs> no, that's just, you have no faith in humanity. That's I don't the point think... of all of this was, that there's environmental factors that are causing everyone to hallucinate. But these environmental, these environmental factors worked so quickly to create such a intense hallucination of a cover door almost decapitating one of these officers because like i know you compared it to hallucin- hallucinogenic hallucinogenic that it's drugs but i'm saying like carbon monoxide in 10 minutes is not probably going to do to you what like shrooms are going to do to you in 10 minutes
1: i mean again it's all body chemistry um mold also works really quickly and like i was saying there could be so many other environmental factors these are just like the two to three that i picked out that i saw that were like
0: okay here's here's the thing right you you are these police officers and you walk in the door you're just in the door of the house and the mother's like turn off the lights and you go okay so you're still like right at the door of this house and they turn off the lights and banging knocking all that starts what environmental factor causes banging
1: yes it, this is all part of hallucina- hallucination no
0: because they couldn't have gone in anywhere far enough or been anywhere long enough for them to have had exposure to these things that they just entered into the house and then their mother was like hey turn off the lights because everything's worse in there
1: i'm getting okay. very
0: heated i apologize to everybody <laughs> but...
1: okay yes think about this you're two police officers you sent to be investigate this house right mm-hmm. so you're waiting outside compiling all your evidence doing whatever you need before you go waiting for each other and whatever it's a gas yesterday. It's carbon monoxide. Obviously, there's going to be some of it in the hallway. So you're getting a little bit exposed, not enough to maybe cause anything, but you're still while you're outside. You mm-hmm. go into this house. She tells you to turn the lights off, and, you know, you're thinking, oh, my God, is something paranormal going to come out? Maybe you're not worried, but you're looking for it at least because that's what everyone is acting like will happen. Now you're in the house where there is this strong carbon monoxide, and you're and then all of a sudden, well, not all of a sudden, after a couple minutes, where you've been exposed to all of these hallucinogens, and you're looking for the paranormal, you start hearing some noise. But
0: it's it's not a couple of minutes because say they're waiting in the hallway for what three minutes? They go in, the whole light thing happens for two minutes, five minutes of exposure. That's but all it, they've it's had. Not. and it's if the be hallway, so much but more than that. Hallways, <laughs> if the hallway has less environmental factors than the house and they haven't even exposed to that much in the three minutes that they waited and then in the two minutes that they're in the house and the lights are off the banging starts immediately and then the knocking happens and then it kind of stops a little bit like it fades and then it comes back again and they hear the bang on the balcony and it's like it's too quick
1: but that's what I'm saying. They're not in the hallway for like three minutes and they're not in the house for like two minutes. They're running an investigation. Like I'm sure they looked around. Right, and looked they're police. Before. So, they,
0: so the operator dude filled them in on the situation. So they're already creating an idea in the station. In the car, they're creating more ideas with each other as they get there. They get to the base of the apartment, like the apartment building. They see the family outside. They're like, oh my gosh, what has happened with you guys? All of the other officers get out of their cars, meet up with the group. And then they're like, okay, let's go to the apartment. They go upstairs oh no maybe one of the officers left their coffee downstairs fine we'll wait for you they go downstairs everybody's talking the coffee guy comes back they go in the apartment because i'm thinking the longest they would have even waited would have been outside of the apartment because that family was outside like out of the building <laughs> i got really i talked really fast i got really loud sorry all right on a
1: couple things there um first off i mean i guess this timeline debating back and forth is honestly kind of we just have on, to go but... back
0: in time that's the only yeah solution. like we can't we were, none of us
1: can really tell <laughs> how long the officers spent in there so i'm just not going to touch on that um so i i guess i'm going to kind of move on to the other part which is like <laughs> <laughs> how you know how quickly these things would mm. have worked these hallucin right. these hallucinogens and you know Even if it was a small amount of time versus a long amount of time, would they really have been so fully affected? Well, I mean, again, I'm going to go back to our our main message for this season, our main theme, which is like, look, if you're looking for the paranormal, you're going to see it. We've seen this happen in our other episodes, even without the effect of hallucinogens. People see these just based on looking for the paranormal. So if you couple even the smallest amounts of something changing within you, you're going to see it most definitely
0: right but i'm just saying it's also in a way we're assuming that all of these police officers are looking for the paranormal because what if these what what if one of these police officers is like you they're like god these people are probably drunk out of their (laughs) minds and they're raving about ghosts no way is there gonna be a ghost i don't think i think it's bold if we assume that everybody is looking in for the paranormal because these people are police officers they've seen things so i don't think i don't think we can assume that
1: But that's the thing, even a skeptic like me who believes there are no paranormal things, you're always going to be looking for clues of like, even if it's not clues to prove the paranormal, the opposite clues to disprove it, but you'll still be looking out for something that seems remotely paranormal. So you can look to see, oh, is it paranormal? Is it not paranormal? No matter what, you're going to be looking like if I get if I'm if I'm in a fully dark room, fully closed off, no doors or anything, Mm -hmm. I just all of a sudden wake up in there and i hear knocking on like the edges of the walls i'm not going to immediately think oh has a serial kidner kidnapped me no i'm going to be like what the hell where am i is something spooky going on right
0: right i know but i'm ju- i'm just thinking right if you are one of these police officers your first thought is going to be okay is anybody in the family not in their right state of mind and then they might be raving about ghosts or whatever and you're like okay i'll go in and i'll check you how much liquor they have in their fridge or whatever you know I just, <laughs> I just we gotta we got into do quite a topic of alcohol but I just like <laughs> I just don't think at, people were looking so much for the paranormal that it was able to be something that's seen now remember guys come back for a finale because this this is kind of also a hint and um whatever but anyways back to this episode um, I just don't think that that, that that was something that everybody was looking for. I don't think it was something that could have been created. I don't think any of your environmental factors could cause the death of a 18-year-old girl and the haunting of, you know, five other people. And um, Arvind, I think that you have created um, basically nothing.
1: All right, then we're going to have to see what the viewers think. Let us know, guys. Let guys. us
0: know. Leave Do us a message, guys. It?
1: Yeshvi full-heartedly believes she has won this one. She has not won a single one, so I, I know for a fact no, that I am, what? as usual, the Excuse winner.
0: <laughs> me! I have won,
1: many. Most of ours end in ties because it's just evidence on either side. We need the viewers to point us out. However, I do have one win in my belt when Yeshvi herself admitted, in the witches, nothing paranormal okay, Without without
0: witchcraft, on. Witchcraft is different than demonic and ghost possessions.
1: No, yeah, yeah I'm just saying. Oh, totally on those... all of
0: our episodes, I have won
1: one with ties well, on no, the last. No, you
0: didn't win. I just said that I don't <laughs> believe in witchcraft. Now, had I been somebody who believed in witchcraft, I probably could have come at you pretty well. And then in that case, I definitely also won our poltergeist episode. Go listen to that. Listen to witches too. Listen to all our episodes, guys. But um, but yeah. So that's the case. Leave us a message, and we'll we'll maybe have a part two if we have enough responses.
1: Yeah, give us messages on all of our ones so we know who won. We can make a little poll.
0: (laughs) We'll keep a tally chart.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What
0: a great episode and slightly heated episode this was. This might actually become one of my favorite episodes we've done so far because I definitely won. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. And go ahead and give our other episodes a listen, too.
1: Don't forget to leave us a message on our Anchor.fm website with any questions, comments, or anything you would like us to know. And follow us at Behind the Story on Instagram and Twitter, with a period between the I and N on Instagram and an underscore between the I and N on Twitter. We hope you have a great day, and remember,
0: there's always more to uncover behind the story. See you next time.